You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about Elder Scrolls Legends. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about Elder Scrolls Legends. My name is Mark and I'm your host here at Legends Cast. I'm super excited that you decided to join us and tune in and just talk about Legends and join the community with us today. So thanks so much for tuning in. I have a special guest with me, a listener named Bouge. Is it Bouge? Did I pronounce it wrong again? Bougin. Bougin. Okay. I have yes. Bougin with me today. What's going on, man? Hey, um, I'm pretty good. I'm just super excited about the the latest expansion for Legends. It's uh, been been a fun experience so far. Yeah, I've been playing uh, too too much uh, too much Legends recently. You know, experimenting around, checking out some of the new decks, watching a lot of streamers, and uh, you know, Fourth of July week for most people is a little bit of a laid back week. But we have an enormous event at my work uh, during Fourth of July week, which means I've been trying to scrap together some time to play. You know, at night and then. You know, Stranger Things season three came out oh, yeah. uh, yesterday and my wife wasn't, you know, we were, we started watching that last night. So it wasn't, oh, yeah. we I only got through the first two episodes. <laughs> yeah. You know, we got the first episode of Stranger Things out uh, and done and it was awesome. It was really great. No oh, spoilers. Yeah. It is awesome. I can't wait to see how it unfolds this season for sure. Yeah. And, you know, I've, in previous episodes, I've talked about being a tabletop gamer and uh, being a tabletop gamer. I have a couple of role-playing games that are built around the stranger things phenomenon uh, and yeah. oh my gosh i can't wait to get one of those to the table now and they I'm play D in the in the show <laughs> yeah you got D in the show and yeah. then i have i have two great rpg settings where you create teenagers or, or not even teenagers like kids in the 80s um you know exploring a sci-fi or a horror world which is makes it so much cooler um but this that's absolutely not what what this is about. Um, so Bujan, tell us a little bit, uh, just a, a, a little synopsis of your story. Um, what got you involved in Elder Scrolls Legends? Uh, what got you being part of the community and, and why did you reach out about being on the podcast? Um, so I guess to start out, um, I got into this game because, so I guess the preface was I, I've always been into card games. I started with Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, that kind of got a little too expensive, so I broke away from that and went into Hearthstone. Um, from there, um, I started watching a bunch of streams. The one stream I started watching um, pretty much like every day that I that I could could see was Bradford Lee, and uh, we ended up becoming friends. And uh, he ended up shifting after a while away from Hearthstone um, when they released the Karazhan expansion because that was a clown fiesta um to put it lightly and uh yeah so he he shifted to legends and he's just like yo bujin you should you should switch over as well this is a an incredible game and uh i gave it a shot because you know at that point i was kind of i i kind of lost interest in hearthstone um over that period of time and I was totally down to give something new a try, and the mechanics for this game were 
were so interesting and I could really get into the lore. That was something I never really connected with in Hearthstone because I never ever played World of Warcraft and I just never understood the characters. But, you know, I got into the Elder Scrolls universe much like everyone else. I, I, I would say most people have played Skyrim at some point and that was that was a game that I I dumped so many hours into. Um yeah, same here. On, yeah. I think I, I think I've bought the game four different times throughout the Oh years. yeah, no, I've had it I've I had it on my Xbox, I bought it on my PC. I've played it through modded and unmodded multiple times. It's just yeah, I yeah. think I had it on Xbox, and then I had it on Xbox One, and then I had Special oh, yeah. Edition Xbox One, oh, yeah. uh, and now and now I have it on the Switch. So oh, yeah, no, I, I, I had it. I did have it on the 360, and then I had it on One, and then yeah. I had it on PC. Yes. So, so yeah. Um, but I I got into this game, and uh, you know, would would watch Brad stream, and would, you know, the I got, I hit Legend completely free to play within the first two weeks that I started. And keep in mind, this is in closed beta uh, when I started. Um, Oh, that's pretty cool. So I've been playing this game for about three years now. Um, Yeah, so let me ask you this. What deck did you make back in closed beta uh, to make the legend climb to legend? uh, It was Prophecy Midrange Crusader. Uh, Prophecy Midrange Crusader. Well, that deck isn't around right now. (laughs) Yeah, Um, but... It was uh, it was a lot of fun for sure. Um, and I remember, uh, you know, back then it was a it was a very heavy green meta. Um, and that was, and I'm not I'm not sure how um, how much knowledge you have of like, you know, card nerfs and the history of nerfs in this game. But there was a point in time where it was just. You had to play green. Um, like House Kinsman was a three-three. Uh, you know, it just fought really well on the board and had a, you know, that pretty insane effect. You don't see it as often just because it can't make efficient trades. But back then, um, you know, it traded pretty much, you know, one for one with every three-drop in the game, and you know, you could get an efficient trade on a on a two-drop back then, and uh, Moonlight Werebat was a 4-3 off Prophecy, and that was pretty devastating because that card, <laughs> that that card with three health, um, you know, traded with a lot of things. And uh, also Ungulum back then was a 2-1 for whatever reason. So as a tempo play on turn one, it would trade into some two drops that were played. Um, that doesn't really happen anymore with it being one attack. But back when it had, you know, two attack, you know, you'd play it out as a turn one, you know, tempo play um, as a 2-1 that, you know, the payoff's kind of ridiculous if you hit any assassins. So that was played in everything. Like, nowadays, you don't you don't see that in aggro. You only see that in, like, dedicated control lists. But back then, that, that card was in every deck. Um, Tazcat also used to cost one less. And uh, well, I know they've yeah. made a lot of changes, of course, every, every game, uh, oh, you know, before beta, then after beta, when the game officially releases, there's always a lot of tweaks, specifically to a card game of cards that they thought were a good oh, yeah. idea that just became problems. Uh, yeah, and one of the things that I 
one of the things I like about Legends is the fact that they do come in and they make pretty – I mean if they notice there's a card that's going to be a problem, they're, they're pretty quick to respond to that, oh, even yeah. even quicker now than what they were. Yeah. Um, it did take them two times to get Solrest Marshall right. Um, yeah, it was a 4-4 that re- reduced the cost of the next card you play by 4. That came down too early, and then it cost 5. Um, and that was still too early, and so they, they they had to make it six, and now it's perfect sweet spot because we haven't seen Soul Rest Marshall in a hot minute. But no, <laughs> there may be a few decks that you would find it in that are kind of, you know, not really trying to win, but just yeah. trying to pull off some it ridiculous combo. Niche. Probably with some Luzra shenanigans is um, probably the best fit for that card, but yeah. Maybe like Lezra, and you're also playing like um, uh, Ulfric's Uprising, where you could, yeah. you know, get out a couple of them, and you also have a ton of ramps, so you'd have 20 yeah. men. There would, there would be a, there's, there's a way to exploit that card yeah. still. It's just not as easy, you know. I know that card was a, like kind of a shoe in. I mean, that yeah. was just like, yeah, oh, yeah. you just put no, that. No, it was that like you slam it on of. turn four, and then you slam and like if you draw multiple copies, you you just play the another one, and then another one, and then all of a sudden on turn four you have like you know three four fours on the board. <laughs> Yeah, it's you just know, like, what do you do? That board doesn't game, die to ice storm, and three, yeah, four health is is a significant number in this oh, game, yes. and Very and really significant. turn four is a lot bigger of a deal because most cards if they hit if they hit board turn four or before, um, if they're just like raw stats, you're you're still doing pretty good. If mm-hmm. you hit board turn five and after, and you just start dropping big boys, tall guys with just big stats, um, th- this has a lot more ways. Legends has a lot more ways to deal with stuff after turn four than it does mm-hmm. prior to turn four. And so I yeah. do think that that is uh, important, important that yeah. they push that beyond turn four. Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So, well, cool. So you were playing Yu-Gi-Oh! Transferred over into Hearthstone, and and actually just yeah. the same as Dead Broke Nerd followed Bradford Lee uh, yeah. over over to Legends. So um, tell me what why why come on the podcast? I mean, you messaged me on Reddit, then you sent me an email. Um, what's what's drawing you to 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 jump on a podcast and want to talk about Legends? You know, I've I've just been someone over time that's uh, um, I've pretty much uh done it all as far as legends has gone and i'm just one of those people who likes to contribute to legends content and i always you know like seeing new opportunities um to produce new legends content um whether it's been like streaming or jumping on other people's streams like like please don't hack me to do like uh you know reviews of the the master series um, qualifiers or or whatnot. I just I just love you know being immersed in 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 this community and you know putting out content for the community. And that's something that it's always been pretty cool. Um, so any opportunity that I I can get, um, you know, is is awesome. Frankly. Yeah, that's great. I mean, this is really my first step into the Legends community outside of, you know, being a creeper in streams and a supporter yeah. of a couple different streamers. Um, 
but you know the legends community I, I was part of that hearthstone community for a season and um but it's a big community it's easy to get lost in the noise of that community and i i saw an opportunity and it's just like hey maybe there's a chance for me to um you know join into this in a positive way and it you know it's really a, a project for me content creation really isn't my deep my heartfelt passion um you know but i enjoy it and i like being part of the community so it gave me a cool opportunity to jump in because there wasn't a lot um to my knowledge there wasn't a podcast that was putting out you know mm-hmm. weekly content at least not yeah. right now there's been no. those who have tried but uh not many yeah. who are doing it and i will so. say this is absolutely a great opportunity and it's a perfect time for you to get into this so it's pretty exciting yeah well, you know, Legends has become, as I've stated in previous episodes, one of my loves. And I came through, uh, you know, Magic the Gathering and Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, Hearthstone, uh, and uh, some smaller probably games in between, a little bit of L5R here and there, um, a- until – I think I bought L5R and, and never actually learned the rules enough to play it. Um, and then and then now into, into – the Elder Scrolls Legends, and mainly because, you know, I've just always had a card game that I've been playing. And uh, when I've tried to take breaks from it and walk away, I just keep coming back to it. Like, I just want to, I want to, I love the strategy and the way that card mm-hmm. games work your brain. Um, I love the feeling of the way a, a win is. I love when you lose and you find something to learn from that loss. Mm-hmm. Um, and Legends is definitely one of the games that lends itself to it because there's so often you come into scenarios and you look, should I go this way or should I go that way? And like, I'm not sure. And you go that way and you lose bad because of it. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. Oh, Okay, next time I can become a better player because I can know that's not the direction that I wanted to go. I want to go this other way um, mm-hmm. for sure. So that's one of the things that I just I love about Legends. And I've really enjoyed, um, you know, playing this game and, and now, of course, getting involved in the community. So let me ask you, what do you like about Moons of Elsewhere? Because we are about, what, a week and two days or so into mm-hmm. this new expansion. So we've had a week or so to play around with it. We're seeing some decks that are really good. So what have you been playing? What are you seeing? Um, so far, I've been messing around with a lot of uh, the consume mechanic. I think it um, is the most well-done mechanic that they've um, installed into this game since they first um, released Slay and introduced Slay in the Dark Brotherhood expansion. Um, it's It's a mechanic that... It's just, like, it's so unique. I mean, we haven't seen this effect before in Legends. Um, We've seen it similarly in, like, other card games. I I think Magic the Gathering has something similar. I'm not entirely sure. Um, Yeah, Magic has a big... I mean, it's it's been around since, like, the 80s, right? So it has a ton of of graveyard mechanics, but I don't think there's any, like, viable deck right now in Magic. Like, that's not a popular mechanic in the game currently. Um, But for sure... Like, consume is one of those things. There's so many good consume cards, and that's something that we haven't seen before from new mechanics in this game. Um, We've gotten these new mechanics in every expansion, and most of them are very underwhelming. Um, And there's only, like, one or two good cards from each mechanic that we've seen that, you know continue to see play throughout every expansion um but there are so many good consume cards just as standalones and 
Um, that is something that, you know, so interesting to me. I mean, we see like Alphic Conjurer and we, we have the mercenary captain in yellow and then we have the illicit butcher in green um and and the the midnight trespasser in blue the the one drop as well like there's that's just examples of you know good consume cards just and um by you know in something that's that's really awesome um that they did with both wax and wayne and with consume is that um, they made um, the consume the, the best consumable cards, the the crocodile brute and the the ill-fated scholar, as well as the moongate neutral. So when they create, they they were able to create um, you know consume cards and wax and wing cards for every color, and you can actually play mechanics those those mechanics in a, every color combination which is something that we haven't really seen um from this game specifically i mean when they created slay they they basically made it so it was a purple and, and green um heavy mechanic like it was really hard to play slay outside of purple and green and still, uh, it's still a heavy mechanic only in oh, those two oh yeah and uh you know, same thing. So, like with Rally, they pretty much exclusively made it, um, you know, red and and purple, um, and, and within those colors, um, there's some yellow Rally as well. But um, the the significant Rally cards are are in red and purple. Um, I would say for the most part, um, but. Oh. Yeah, and you know, I think that they've they brought the dragon mechanic back. They sort of have revisited that a little bit. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things that I've noticed just playing over this past week is an alarming amount of of people playing around with control archetype dragon decks of yeah. basically every class. I mean, yeah. just – I mean, in, in, oh, I'll yeah. say this too. In the last week, more games against dual color uh, stuff than I, have, than I have seen in a really long time. Oh yeah, a lot of um, color out there. And one thing, um, you can effectively play consume and wax and weigh in effectively in dual color. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to hit your moon gates consistently if you're playing wax and wane. And you know, I've seen I've seen people playing mage and assassin wax and wane decks that do some pretty insane things, um, you know, decently early on in the game. Um, and yeah, I think the combination is frenzied Alfique, um, and then the rebellion general, um, oh, yeah. those two cards are, I mean, they, they really do a lot to make, uh, make the wax Wayne mechanic go. I mean, and yeah. so many wax Wayne cards to draw. I mean, there's so mm-hmm. much draw when you're playing wax Wayne. They just don't ever seem to run out of juice. I played yeah. against an assassin earlier today, um, and they beat me. I was playing control. They beat me simply because they never ever stopped. They drew a card almost every single turn. Yeah. I mean, they started the game with a lot of cards. They ended the game with more cards. Just never ever were running out of resources. Yeah. Um. And like I've I've been playing a a, a consume spell sword that's. It's neutral base, but it's pretty similar. And, and I mean, 
you get the crocodile brute in the graveyard and you're able to consume the crocodile brute and you're doing like kind of like a neutral token spell sword kind of thing um, where you spam the board, but you're still able to have cards in hand and you're still able to generate cards like late in the game. And I've played against control decks that struggled to do anything because, you know, late in the game, I'll, I'll have a necromancer that, you know, summons a necromancer that summons a mercenary captain and buffs things. And it's just like everything I summon late in the game is a buff or it, it's it's super beefy. And it's just if you're doing that constantly for, you know, turn after turn, like control decks can only do so much. Um, I guess it's just like at that point, pray that your ice storms do enough. Hmm. Um, so that mercenary I, captain is a strong card. It's definitely uh, mercenary a mercenary captain concern. is one of the cards that I've um, played with a lot. Um, and I'm someone who who plays a lot of token based strategies. Um, that's a uh, I've had a lot of success playing token based strategies and uh, something I always go back to when it gets more support and. Mercenary Captain is so good in those token-based strategies. Um, but I will say um, that with um, Ebonheart being less popular um, and, and us starting to see more Telvanni and um, Tribunal again, um, the presence of Ice Storm in the meta makes it so those decks have fallen off a lot. Um, and I know a lot of people were worried for a while. Oh no, they uh, they had nerfed pretty much everything else. Like, are we gonna see like a huge token meta again? Um, and that hasn't been the case because uh, you know those ice storm decks have come back in full force, and we've seen you know those heavier mid range decks have a lot of su- success again. And uh, that's been exciting as um, someone who who likes to play those kind of strategies as well. Um, experimenting with uh, you know decks that go tall instead of wide, and it's a uh, it's a good change of pace because for a while it's been you know a pretty heavy Halalu meta, and I still think Halalu is good, but um, not necessarily against those Ice Storm decks. And I think there's an opportunity to um, play. Some of these mid-range classes that have fallen off, like Sorcerer and uh, mid-range Telvanni and mid-range Battle Mage, and um, even maybe like a mid-range Warrior or a Covenant. Um, but you know, so decks like that, um, I think we'll see a lot of success in this format, just because those kind of decks are going to be effective against Ice Storm decks. I mean, Ice Storm really doesn't do a lot when you're putting out a four mana five five or a three mana four four. Um, or, you know, just anything with Ward, um, you know, you, you're forced to use a lot of, you know, direct removal and, and less of the AoE effects um, to try to clear a lot of creatures. Uh, and some decks struggle with that. I know um, if Telvanni never finds a Territorial Viper, they really struggle with, uh, with the huge minions. Um because, yeah, I, I think that you'll see, you know, tokens are, I think the tokens will come back because, I oh, think, yeah. you know, we're really, what, we're eight or nine days after the expansion mm-hmm. released. And there's there's some truth in the fact that 
um yeah like the tokens got some love not a ton of love mm-hmm. um but there's so much to experiment with and once again i've said this before but because the meta in elder scrolls legends does not get solved as quickly as it does in other games um, i think what you find is a longer season of experimentation before the meta shakes down and you really begin seeing the decks that are going to be good i do think halalu is not going to be as popular um because i don't i mean maybe i, I could be wrong about that but i literally I, haven't seen that deck played since the experience. and i think that's more um and I and and I have seen a little bit from top level players of, of people playing Halalu and still having a lot of success with it. I don't think it's going away. Um, I think Halalu is still very very good aggro deck. Um, Halalu just slots into um, a meta where it's the best deck at going wide, um, mm-hmm. and in a meta where, like I said. Uh, before you know, there's there's a lot of ice storm decks right now. Um, well, there's a, that, just a, a lot of my, just struggles. In my opinion, there's just a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun on the ladder right now. There's a lot of stuff that you just don't get to see. And let me tell you, the moment you get off the ladder, and you gotta just test something out in in general. Like eighty percent of the decks that you face off against right now are just running undead. Everyone's oh, yeah. going for that that <laughs> necromancer card back. Everyone's going for that title. They want that sick, sick card back. I didn't even know that thing was coming out. I was just scrolling through card backs because I'm still working on getting my card backs for the most recent five houses. And because uh, there's a couple I just have never really played with very much. And oh my goodness, I, I you know, I'm looking through here. I'm like, what is this cool looking skull card back? I'm like, how do you get this thing? And I'm like on Reddit and then I scroll through and 2000 undead. And so, wow, off the rank ladder right now, it's, it's a zombie and skeleton fest holy cow they're everywhere everyone's playing that and i'm i'm amongst them man like that was most of my week honestly like i was working on getting my my cyrodiil um in my uh daggerfall covenant card backs and as i was working on that i was like let's just let's just splash these colors and let's just search undead and put them all in let's just see what happens and Mm -hmm. as it it turns out your deck's terrible um (laughs) but you know it's just so bad there's so many just bad on that uh-huh. there's just so much better options out there but it is kind of fun it's fun to you know run all the zombies and all the necromancers and yeah. um you know i just happen to have that one high elf that resurrects something from your opponent's graveyard which is just like yeah, yeah i'm never gonna play that card in, in any sort of real meta probably <laughs> but but it's super fun to play for fun on you know casual and so i think i've grinded out about 850 undead over the past over the past week, and so I got a ways to go. Another twelve hundred undead, but maybe in a couple of weeks I'll I'll get that card back. And I just uh I just wish it that it it had counted been counting from uh, the beginning because I can't tell you um how long I used to play mid range sorcerer that had like three times bone colossus and. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Bone Daddy. That 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 was a fun fun card in that mid range. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've summoned Bone Daddy in my Tesla career for sure. But yeah, it's great to see people experimenting with with new things, nonetheless. Um, yeah, think. there's a couple viable sort of. I, I don't know how super viable they are, but they're sort of like a mid rangey skeleton variant of sorcerer right now that I'm seeing around. 
Um, and as, as it turns out that, that, uh, that two drop, that two drop spell lets you search for an, a skeleton or a spirit, I think, and put it in your hand. Um, that's pretty good when you search for bone daddies with it. Um, yeah. and if you're on the ring, turn six into bone daddy, turn yeah. seven into bone daddy, turn eight into bone daddy. That's, mm-hmm. that's, <laughs> that's a tough three rounds. And I think that specific archetype needs to be more of like a defensive mid range archetype. Just because to play some of those tools and some of the best skeleton cards, you need to go later in the game. Um, and a lot of the skeleton cards are pretty weak um, early game. Um, I mean, you've got a, a three mana two four that doesn't really line up well with much, and you got you know you with got a slay two effect, you don't even like know. you don't like, have anything that's overstatted and in sorcerer you don't really have any combat tricks to to deal with the fact that your minions are understatted so yeah skinned hounds about as close as you're going to get to yeah, that, right so that's yeah that's that's uh, about as as good as you're going to get so you you do you are cornered into being more defensive and i think that's kind of an issue because the best skeleton cards like the skeleton champion that the buffs your other skeletons mm-hmm. um you know that's like a, that's an aggressive card so but and, and then you have like hallowed death priest which isn't an aggressive card and you just like you have some conflicting um ideas within the skeleton deck like you have the Four mana, one, two, prophecy. I forget the name of the card that gains plus one, plus one for each creature your opponent controls. Like, that, that's not an aggressive card either. That's, mm-hmm. uh, like, that's not ever something you'll play out on turn four. No, that's bone. So, that's bone walker. And no, that's yeah, not. Bone. It's not. You're right. There is. It's like if, if they build off of each other, very similar to how you could build like a tribal yeah. orcs deck, mm-hmm. um, except it's like way worse. It's just like yeah. it's like it's like if Absolutely. you wanted to play a much worse version yeah. of orcs, you can play skeletons, um, for sure. And for those who don't know, because I, I always kind of feel bad, because if you're new to the game and you hear people slinging terms around, and you don't understand what they're talking about. Bone Daddy is a card. It's bone claw. This is a seven mana purple card, five attack, five health. It's legendary. It reads summon, fill this lane with one, one skeletons. And then other friendly skeletons have plus one, plus one. So you're summoning a seven mana, five, five. And if you have a clean side of the board, three, two, two skeletons, and you're buffing any other skeletons you have on the board. So, you know, the whole undead meta skeleton thing is basically saying, can I survive and still have sticky enough minions to have any sort of board presence so that on turn six or seven, I can start dropping bone daddies. And that's really the only way, you know, those bone claws the only way yeah. that, that deck wins games. Yeah. Uh, it, you just have to hope that you get to that. It would be cool to see them have some slightly more aggressive or some slightly more defensive, um, some cards in there. You yeah. know, I found, I found that it, dark guardian is strong. Um, no, dark guardian is very strong. Um, especially if you wake the dead, the turn before on turn two and then dark guardian to put down a two, six yeah. instead of a two, five that, that slows down a lot of aggro decks yeah. for sure. That's, the issue with that is that you're losing tempo on turn two. Um, so the dark mm. guardian has to commit to being a defensive threat. Um, right off the yes. bat, you're quartering yourself into being defensive you know, and that's just like again, there's there's so there there's a lot of conflicting strategy within the skeleton archetype, and uh, 
Yeah, if they know, could put just... a few more things in there that sort of if if there was even like a support that gave some bonus attack or some bonus health or yeah, some, they just. Like, they just need to give skeletons an identity, because right now they really don't. Um, besides like, summoning one ones, I guess, but even that's not not the most like consistent thing within the skeleton archetype, you know. Yeah, even if they had like a support that you could drop, and then like every time one of your skeletons dies, it summons a, yeah. a one one skeleton back. But that, of course, mm-hmm. that one one skeleton wouldn't reproc it. Yeah. Um, you know, just because I think the things with skeletons are, they're like, listen, we're gonna give you stuff. It's both has, it has some tall life. It's a little bit defensive. Some stuff that's gonna leave stuff behind. So you're gonna create a sticky board, and then you're gonna be able to buff stuff. But as it turns out, the the sticky board that you create is never powerful enough that when the buffs do come down, even if you have a couple minions on the board, your opponent just doesn't care. They're like. Mm-hmm. Why weren't you just running, you know, trolls and mammoths instead of these? Yeah, you, exactly. You know, every time you drop something on three, you're like, I wish I wish this yeah. was a mammoth and not a skeleton right now. Even yeah. if this does get buffed next turn, I still wish it was a mammoth. <laughs> and that's a that's another reason I wish there was just more general undead um, synergistic cards, more so than just skeleton synergistic cards. Um because the deck would be so much better if you could play some of the um, just general undead cards at each slot. I mean, if you were able to play, you know, Haunting Spirit, and if you were able to play um, Barrow Stalker, and, you know, just some of the the dren- general good undead cards um, in in a deck with skeletons and other undead and get some kind of payoff. Um, the deck would be, you know, fun and, and pretty decent and interesting to play, but that's just not the case right now. Um, if you're playing a skeleton deck, you need to be pretty hard into committing into skeletons. Um, mm-hmm. Which people are right now until they get their Necromancer card back. Yeah. And once they get their paws on that thing, you're, you're not going to see oh, yeah. skeleton decks on a regular basis oh, anymore. No. Um, even um, if they find one that might be, you know, like a, a barely tier three type of deck, they might stumble on a Sorcerer one eventually. Um, that's like barely tier three, but I, I, you know, I'm hard, I'm hard pressed to believe that, that will actually happen. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't see skeletons being meta anytime soon. But so you so you've been playing you've been playing mostly token stuff. Um, um yeah, mostly I wouldn't corner myself into just tokens. I play ag- a lot of aggressive strategies in aggro decks, um, and kind of the what people would call mid grow, if that's a term. I know some people don't really accept that as a term, but um, just kind of the um aggressive strategies or that that are more like tokens or strategies that are kind of like hybrid um between mid-range and, and aggro but um generally are aggressive so that's kind of the deck the, the kind of decks that i focus on playing i mean as someone who's been playing for so long i end up just kind of playing everything anyway but um, I will will say the decks that I enjoy playing the most are kind of those aggressive strategies overall. Yeah, I think that uh, you know I would call the the mid grow decks that were that you they are pretty popular. Um, I I usually categorize those as just beat down decks, right? Because that yeah. just kind of feels like what you're doing. You're like, listen, yeah. 
I'm just I'm going to put overstated minions on the board. I'm going to curve yeah. out hard every single round. I'm going to top my curve out at five or six, and I'm I'm just going to keep up pressure. And if if you have something that can you know really turn it around, maybe. But usually you're you're going to win those games because there's just it's just too much pressure, you know. But yeah, I think that mid grows definitely a thing. I mean, I think there's a popular Dagoth deck out right now that they're calling kind of a beat down mid grow deck. I still think that the mm-hmm. Redoran deck that I was playing didn't receive any nerfs. Um, I'm, I'm probably gonna take that deck back to Legend once I'm done experimenting. I do with think stuff. there is a is a space for Redoran to be popular and to be good. Um, it's just hard to say what kind of build is the best and that's kind of always been the issue with Redoran. um you know you have access to all of these tools and it's just it's just hard to find a build that fits into the meta correctly and i i did take a version of Redoran into the master series and um you know even on the ladder i finished number three in march playing agar Redoran, and i oh, had wow. a lot of success with that deck and it was you know it was a lot of fun to play um and it wasn't really something people expected, but, um, you know, you could pretty much go toe-to-toe with every, you know, other aggro deck. And um, it did have the sticky threats to beat, uh, you know, traditional, like, Ice Storm control decks. And, you know, it had Withered Hand Cultist to deal with, you know, combo decks and um, what have you. So it was a pretty well-rounded deck. Um, and I do think, you know... Um, there is a space for Redoran to exist in the meta right now, and um, I think Redoran's probably one of the better contr- uh, aggro classes in the game. Um, it's just hard yeah, it's to my favorite. find the correct way to build Redoran. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I really, I, I really like Redoran, and you're right. It can go so many different directions, and that's one of the biggest problems with it. Is you start building the deck, and you're like, oh. But I really want edicts in this, and then you you're like, well, no, no, no. Oh, but I really should I put piercing javelin? And you you know you start off, you have all of the token options, and mm-hmm. then you have all of the aggressive options as well. So you're like, man, I could go charge heavy, I can go really mm-hmm. heavy aggression. Then you look into purple, and you're like, I could go with just some overstatted stuff. And then you know you have yellow and purple in there too, so you get the spell sword combo. And you yeah. have like, wow, I could have the best of the control elements of spell sword with some of the aggression. Um, of of strength and red you're right it is hard because there's so many good cards in those three colors that find in the right combination of them that just clicks with what the ladder's doing right now it isn't easy i just stumbled across it last season and it just worked for me um yeah you know but i i think that i've played many red or decks that that was not necessarily the case for yeah <laughs> I, I thought i had a good deck and it was like wow i just keep keep on losing with this deck um but yeah rhetoric is definitely definitely a cool class so let me ask you this you played in the master series i did not know that that's awesome um yeah i played in every qualifier um i think i finished tied for 14th in points um not i didn't do as well as i had hoped um i i ran into um, some pretty good players early on in the first couple of weeks and and wasn't able to get as far as I'd liked. Um, you know, I I do enjoy playing aggressive strategies, and those are the strategies I'm more comfortable playing. Um, and, you know, the meta going into the Master Series was just, um, you know, control decks before the nurse were so much better 
inconsistent than aggro was. Um, and you you can have like the most optimal build of aggro that you can possibly like find and and test that works. And you know sometimes you could just get high rolled by Ebonheart and and that was a class that generally was pretty unfavored against these tokeny aggressive strategies but you know it could high roll and and beat an aggro deck and that was kind of an issue like you had all of these classes that you know on average did you know you know either pretty poorly or pretty well against aggro um on average and the ones that did well against aggro you just kind of had to hope they didn't bring multiples of or and if you know you had to ban something that was really awful to to play against as an as an all aggro lineup you know you recorded into you know what if they high roll on their Ebonheart three games in a row. Like, I can't, I can't, on average, if you look at averages, like, Ebonheart's not good against aggro, but they can high roll and win against aggro. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, there's always that possibility where it's just like, well, I, I can't ban this, but there's always the possibility that this happens. And, and you Ebonheart know, that's, has a high skill cap, too. It is a yeah, high skill so, cap. I, I think the people who were able to play um, lineups with a wide variety, and you saw people like Elameo who brought like lineups with four decks that you know were all different. Um, I mean, he brought his his lineup was you know Halalu and Burn Assassin and Midrange Covenant and Control Ebonheart, and those are four decks that are on the complete opposite ends of the spectrum from each other um yeah and you, I mean, you, you know, he's hitting the four corners really and yeah and saying. he hit basically everything and i think people that were able to do that effectively did well um but also people that were able to find um you know the right matchups and with all all control lineups or and then the few people that brought aggressive strategies were able to find lineups that um we're able to combat um, kind of that wide variety of and people bringing the, a wide variety of, of those classes. Um, and I think I was close. Um, and on the last week, um, I was one win away from top eight. Um, hmm. I lost a Fawful. Um, and now, kudos it, to him because the... he brought a very good lineup. But Was Masters was... open? Can, can anybody yes. join in? Okay. Yeah, any anyone can join in the Masters. Um, it's open registration. You know, there's anywhere from you know 200 to close to 300 players that enter. So mm-hmm. you get a lot of competition. Um, and uh, you know, I I tested with a lot of people, and you know, after being around this community for so long, you know, it's just it's hard not to run into someone you know when you've played for so long. And, you know, I ran into a lot of players I knew. <laughs> it's just like, and you're required to add people on your friends list uh, when you go to play your, your matches. And 
you know, I'd see players that I already know and I'd be like, oh, well, I don't have to do that part. I just have to send them a friend. I mean, I just have to send them a request to to play and then we'll just get straight into it. And it's just like, well, you know, I sometimes you have to play against someone. It's just like, you know, I wish I didn't have to play you this early on, you know, because I <laughs> for more than one reason. Right. I don't want to uh, yeah. beat you because I'm I, your friend and I don't want you to beat me. <laughs> Yeah, and I tested a lot with Bradford Lee for this Masters series, and he came back and he was practicing and wanted to play seriously. And you know, we spent all four weeks um, for uh, for the Masters series qualifiers testing and you know practicing against one another. And in the uh, the third week or the fourth week, I can't remember which week it was, but we ended up playing in the third round. Um, which, you know, it was tough to see cause just like, we didn't, we didn't want to be anywhere near each other on the bracket. You know, we wanted to make it deep, especially Brad. Cause he get, he got top eight, um, the second week, I believe. And, okay. you know, he, he was doing well on points, so he only had to get, you know, another decent finish and he was probably well positioned to be in that last chance qualifier tournament. Um, but you know, like I ran into him and I ended up beating him in the third round or something. And you know, it's yeah. just, that's just how it goes. And and I mean, last year I played Elameo in the first round of the tournament, <laughs> and we had been testing, you know, for for a couple weeks prior to that as well. And we ended up playing in the first round, and he was streaming it then, and. Uh, we just decided, you know what, we're just going to make this a fun deal. Like, win or lose, we're going to have a blast doing it. And we just got in Discord chat, and we were on a stream just, you know, trash talking and, you know, whatnot. While we were playing our match, and, you know, it was a lot of fun. But Well, you know, this community is still relatively small. You know, there, oh, yeah. there aren't any players, but I think that... The... Yeah specifically the competitive community and those who are doing more than, you know, every time that they're, they have a break or an hour's yeah. go at home or whatever, you know, they're not, these are people who are playing the game more than just because they played Skyrim. They're playing this game because they love this game. Right. Yeah. And honestly, the people who are playing this game because they played Skyrim are probably mostly transferred to blades earlier, yeah. earlier this year. Um, and, you know, I think that those, that community is still relatively small, you know, the people who go on to iTunes and search elder scrolls legends podcast is still a relatively small community. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's not many people who in between the times that they open up the app are looking to learn and to listen and to participate more in this game. Um, and that, that is cool, but it does mean that, you know, when you do go and play you're if you're playing competitively, you're going to run into those. You don't even have to be yeah. playing competitively. Quite honestly, on my road to legend yeah. this past month, uh, in last season, I, I played against multiple, you know, streamers that finished very high legend. Um, mm -hmm. And I didn't expect to run into those people. But, you know, the community's small enough that sometimes when you're queuing up, you you queue up against somebody who's, you know, legend four whenever you're still rank one. That yeah. happens sometimes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, the deck that I've been playing mostly has been uh, yet today has been um, sort of like a, a dragon control empire deck. Uh, really been enjoying that. I finally got onto the board that new legendary dragon, which name I will literally never be able to pronounce. It's the K A A L, and then a whole bunch of words. It's the twelve. Kalgrantid. 
yeah, Calgary. Okay, Calgary. It's the 12 mana 8-9 with guard that summons the Halls of the Colossus that you can immediately activate to summon a non-unique dragon from your deck directly to the board. Um, even if that card doesn't end up being great, it is a ton of fun and really rewarding uh, yeah. when you can get that sucker on the board. Really, really cool card. Uh, yeah. Love that. Love that. It, in Empire, it's been a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Went back to some of the shouts that uh, I, I started off with just a Dragon Scout deck because that was the first deck that I built when I really got playing competitively that was like the good that was a good deck i'm sure you remember that when Mm -hmm. scout was just dominating the meta and was like cancer everywhere um and that's when i started really getting into i played before really got into it then that was the first deck i worked towards crafting so i i I have a soft spot in my heart for dragon scout um for for treetop lookout for uh, you know, all those cards. I like and, them and messing around with them. In, in Dragons, specifically, we'll always have a soft spot in everyone's hearts, I think. Um, yeah, I think so. I think and when they print new ones, it's so cool. A very large majority of players in this game. Um, you know, and that's something that, like, as a casual player, you see these powerful dragons, and you're like, I want to summon this. Like, mm-hmm. this is awesome. Like, I want to be able to do powerful stuff in the late game and just dome someone for 12 or something, you know, when I, you you know, it's like, that's very appealing to, you know, more of the casual crowd too. And like, you know, as a, even as like a competitive player, like I want to do stuff with dragons too. Like, like it's always fun. Um, you know, so like everyone wants dragons to be good. Um, it's still, still on the fence as to how viable that archetype is it's probably not going to be seen in in any competition anytime soon but it's at a place where you can play dragon decks and have a lot of fun on ladder um right now and i think that is a position um where dragons should be um you you should be able to play dragons and um you know, be able to play them to a, a decent win rate and still have fun. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that that's kind of, you know, they're probably never going to be the best yeah. deck just by and the I nature think, of the cards that they are. But yeah, they're and fun. I think that was the goal from the developers. They wanted to create something that can compete. Because, um, um, you know, if you, if you get in and you want to play a dragon deck and you just go in and you lose every game, like you're probably not going to want to keep playing the game. Because no, you want to do things start. It, when you want to do things and you can't do those things effectively, you know it's kind of a huge turnoff um, for a lot of players. So if you can put dragons in the spot where you know they can be somewhat effective and and can compete and do fun things, then you know that's probably the the best place you want um, that kind of archetype to fit. Um, yeah. In the non-competitive but still able to win games realm. Um, yeah, I think, I think so they too. nailed. I think they nailed that as far as um, where dragons are positioned now. Yeah, you know, out of all the sets that I've been through in every card game, whether that was playing in Magic or that was playing in Hearthstone or, or something else, um, out of all the sets, I think that, and I I could end up being proven wrong. Um, and in, in, in I think in comparison to even all the previous Elder Scrolls Legends sets, this set seems to be 
um, one of the healthiest and most balanced sets of cards I've ever seen introduced to a card game. Um, I think the developers did just a bang up job on this set. I've really enjoyed it. I've not run into anything that was like, oh my gosh, that's broken. Or I didn't run into anything that was like, oh, look at this ridiculous combo that takes 45 minutes to pull off. And I hate playing against that. Um, it's just been like, wow, that's fun. Wow, that seems strong. Um, one card, and that's the one I want to talk about. One card may be the exception to that, and that is the Althic Conjurer, right? So if you're new to the game, this is a blue intelligence card. It's legendary. It's a six mana, three, four uh, Khajiit. It reads guard, summon, consume a creature to summon a fire astronaut, which is a five, three astronaut breakthrough. Or if you consume an astronaut, um, instead summon a storm astronaut, which is uh, a seven, five with a ward. Um, now, just for the record, this card is perfectly fine without summoning the storm astronaut. And on mm-hmm. top of that, if you have three in your deck, it builds on itself because they're eventually going to put your fire astronaut there, which you can consume with your next Alphique Conjurer. So a uh, really strong card. Um, let me ask you, what do you think about this one? Uh, what are your what are your opinions on it? Um, I love it. It's a it's a lot of fun to play. It is a very powerful card, um, and I guess um, the the question at this point is how far will this push the mid range battle mage deck into the meta? Because I think this card's uh, this card's existence um, as, as it is now. Um, and how strong it is now is solely dependent on how strong mid-range battle mage um, becomes. Um, because, you know, in most other decks, it's pretty average. I mean, you have to play the second one, or you have to play, you know, like the... Uh, shoot, I'm trying to remember the name. Uh, Abner. Um you have to play mm-hmm. like Abner to get like the 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 Storm Atronach after the second one. Like most decks can't effectively run an Atronach or have to run um, a decently like understated or like low tempo play to be able to get the Storm Atronach on turn six. Um, so yeah, I don't think you know this card strength isn't in isn't necessarily i mean turn six if you summon this thing you get yeah. a three four with guard and then you also hit a five three with yeah. without getting the storm astronaut on turn six that's still fine and if you yeah. get lucky enough to consume like if you're running a deck that runs up consumes and you can consume uh, the imbued breton and you can actually summon a four five yeah. with guard and ward in addition to the five three yeah um, if you can pull that off then turn six yeah. who cares that that's that can break the that can win you the whole game. That's the turnaround. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, but I mean, as far as that goes, like that's still like a a turn five into a turn six. Um, and I guess the issue that we see um is that the kind of the strength of mid range battle mage before was that it was always well positioned against aggro because it just summons walls after walls after walls with the breton conjurer mm-hmm. 
Um, and it was never a class that could do much against, um, you know, removal heavy control. Um, cause you know, playing one big dude a turn really doesn't do much against tribunal or, or, you know, a deck like tribunal that can just like one for one, every card you play pretty effectively, you know, for every turn throughout the game. Um, and at this point, if you give mid-range battle mage a strong proactive tool to push them late in the game, um, you know it's hard to tell what that deck has a weak spot against. You know, I just if if mid-range BM can consistently beat control and aggro, then Alphic Conjurer might be, you know, too problematic. Um, and I again, it, it remains to be seen. We still have time. There's still time for the meta to develop. Um, but if this is a card that pushes mid-range battle mage to that spot, then it is a card that might need to see a nerf. Um, it's one of those cards, right, where if if in the previous meta, if pre-moons of elsewhere we saw um ebonheart uh halalu burn assassin and uh and mid-range battle mage like let's say those four decks yeah. were our our tier one decks and then they printed out the conjurer it would be like holy cow what were they thinking this is ridiculous are you idiots get rid of this card nerf it into oblivion why did you even print this thing you already had a tier one deck that well, being said and i actually think in the previous meta this card wouldn't nearly be as strong um because you know this deck's i mean i mean the card's not good against single target like removal cards in general um it's not really a card you you want to play against Ebonheart um, the first time around. It's not very good. It it mostly just creates two, and, and it's a card that's played you know not early in the game. Like the key to winning against those Ebonheart decks is you know summoning threats that. Um, are strong against their early game. So, like, your later game threats didn't really matter as much. Um, and, you know, you get to a turn against Ebonheart where they just finally do something with Falkreath Defiler and then it didn't matter anymore. Um, but now that we're not seeing as much Ebonheart, and I think we will start to see more Ebonheart. I mean, like, the things the deck can can still do... Granted, it can't do the Defiler shenanigans anymore, but it has access to, you know, so much good removal and ramp. And there's so many, you know, high-quality creatures that you can play in that archetype um, in the late game that would make it so the payoff for all that ramp is there. Um, I I feel like we'll start to see Ebonheart trickle back in, um, especially... um, with as much tribunal as we're seeing again, um, but we will see decks come back into counter, um, you know, the mid-range battle mage because those counters still exist. But as of right now, like with how much Tilvani we're seeing, like Tilvani doesn't do well against those threats like that. Like 
it summons two things. If you summon the, the Storm Atronach, it's it's a six mana card that summons two creatures that don't die to Ice Storm. Yes, and that yeah, is dangerous. huge. Because, to, I mean, what are they going to do? It's like Sorcerer's Negation doesn't do anything against it. I mean, Lightning Bolt only kills part of it, and most like of the Conscription Tolvanis don't even play Lightning Bolt. They play like the Territorial Viper. And even that only kills, Territorial Viper that only kill kills both. half of it. Like you still have a seven five to deal with that they put out a seven five. Like you know, that's a it's a card that Tolvani is is going to struggle to deal with on average. Um, yeah, I think that this – I mean, once again, when I, I think that if it was Tier 1 before, it would be busted. I think that this will push Battle Mage into Tier 1. Yeah. Um, I, it's yet to see if it will be a card that is broken. Um, if Battle Mage had a few more tools, it very well likely – it may have been broken. If it had like an a, yeah. a, an Alphite Conjurer level power spike at, at power at, – you know, at 5 drop already – um, and then you could play this into six, it would be broken. Um, it, right now, I think it's kind of yet to be seen, but that's definitely the place that it stands the best chance to sort of break part of the game is in that Battle Mage build, yeah. for sure. Yeah, for sure. and the, the one weakness that Battle Mage still has is that it, um, it doesn't really develop the board strong before turn four. Um, and, and uh you know, until until it can do Breton Conjurer shenanigans against other like aggro or mid range decks, you know, it doesn't it doesn't really do much and it struggles in that early game portion. So, you know, decks like Sorcerer, um, especially decks that have a lot of heavy silence like Covenant, um like Covenant, Sorcerer Mm-hmm. Um, even like a mid-range Tovani, those kind of decks, you know, in theory should be good against um, the mid-range Battle Mage. Um, and, you know, especially since we were seeing more Telvani and Ice Storm decks, I feel like those decks will come back into the meta again regardless. So, you know, if if there's multiple decks that are in the meta that those decks are are good against, I feel like there will be enough counters in decks that are relatively well positioned against mid-range battle mage for you know that for Elfic Conjurer not to push mid-range battle mage into that um, this that is getting place. oppressive tier. Um, against against aggro decks, it might be. Um, and it is very I've, strong against aggro. I have played a lot of tokens with the new cards, and you know, I think my win rate is absolutely miserable against um, mid range <laughs> battle mage for this expansion. Um, they have so many tools, right, to trade which, on the board with too, because of the because of the expected. word crafters and stuff. Which is to be expected, because Midrange Battle Mage has always been strong against those kind of decks. Um, but they just, um, especially now more than ever, they've kind of always done that, where they hit turn six and they turn a corner, um, and then they just come at your face, and it's very hard to do anything about it. Um, yeah, for most decks. Um, but especially now you hit turn six and you're just getting, you know, murdered by this 
barrage of beefy creatures and stats on the board. And, uh, you know, it's it's pretty scary to see, um, for sure. Um, yeah, it certainly can be. I, I, I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm yet to put together a mid-range BM. I've been playing around with other stuff yeah. uh, over the last week. I'm definitely going to be putting one together soon, though, because I did craft the Elf Eat Conjurers, mm-hmm. um, which brings us to, I think, maybe the last thing that uh, we're talking about during this particular episode is crafting. Um, if you're a new player and you're getting into you know, this expansion and you like it, what is there in this latest set that you think think is let's say give me the 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 two to three cards that you think are of the safest crafts at this point a week into this new expansion this new meta sure um so and i kind of put you on the spot there i can i can start that no (laughs) i I am i'm perfectly fine with that so safe crafts i will say elfic conjure obviously without a doubt is the best card in this expansion and it is absolutely the safest card you can craft it fits into so many archetypes you can play this in straight aggro you can play it in mid-range you can even play like an atronach based control strategy that just plays that as a you know a card that puts you on the board in a huge way um lets you threaten some damage um so you know obviously that card is very strong um if we're talking about um, if you want to play Consume, I do recommend you craft Ill-Fated Scholar. Um, I do think that is one of the biggest payoffs for Consume if you want to play a Consume-heavy strategy. Um, just because the upside of summoning a 3-2 is pretty huge. Um, and, you know, it's a pretty big tempo swing um, overall. Um, so that would be another card. If you want to play, um, if you want to play consume, then that's a card you want to craft for sure. Um, additionally, if you want to play wax and Wayne, so wax and Wayne is, you know, very fun. Um, the cards that you you want for sure are the rebellion general and frazzled Alfique. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, those are the two. And, uh, you know, the, the assassin heavy or you can play like a covenant version um but like assassin is what i would recommend you start out with if you want to try wax and wayne because that is where the most powerful wax and wayne cards lie at this point i would say um yeah i can basically play make it go um, you can basically play consume in anything sorry going back onto that um so um by crafting those neutral cards, you can basically play whatever you want. There are some other consume legendaries like the Dromathru Reaper. I wouldn't say that that card necessarily is as important to craft. If you have the soul gems to spend on it, sure, that card's going to be very fun to experiment with, and I definitely recommend that. Um, another card that you should probably craft, especially if you like control is queen's captain um that card compares very similarly to manticora pre-nerf um where it could destroy a creature and develop a creature in whatever lane you wanted um and also it draws cards 
Um, the issue with that is obviously it's hard to manipulate it to get whatever effect you want on that turn unless you're playing Wax and Wayne. But overall, the effect of that card is going to be very beneficial um, for you to for you to play in a control strategy. And I think Queen's Captain we are going to see a lot of in control. So I think that's a pretty safe crap as well. Um, if you're playing a red control deck, um, Malomnir is also a very good card. Um, that card, um, playing tokens, if if there is any hope of a token deck surviving late in the game, if they have any board, if you hit turn 9 and you have Malomnir, it basically just closes that window um, for those aggressive strategies. It's You can clear, like... An entire board of a token deck um, with Malomnir, and it's, you know, it's a pretty powerful card for sure. Um, and let me I tell mean, you this: I saw someone do this the other day, and it was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Um, they played Grizzly Gourmet um, a couple turns before, and I did not clear off the sweet roll. Then they played uh, this dragon. Uh, cleared part of my board, ate the sweet roll, completely healed their dragon, and then cleared the rest of my board. Um, oh, yeah. That combo is super, super strong if you can pull it off. It's very oh, powerful. Yeah. And another one, yeah, I mean, obviously with like Lucian or with Naryu, it's pretty cool too, because then every time you slay something, you get that slay bonus. Um, and, you know, it, it'd be fun to play around with in like an Ebonheart where you're getting like. You know, the, the Brotherhood Sanctuaries as well. So if you get, like, Brotherhood Sanctuary and Lucian, obviously, like, every time it slays something, it gets plus four, plus four. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, you know? there's some room to exploit there, for sure. Uh, and so obviously, there's, like, the the dream combo decks where you play, like, uh, whatever. Gosh, what's that that card? Let me... See the 5-2 that gives him breakthrough? Yeah, the, the one mm. that gives him breakthrough. And then you could play, like, a... a uh, Battle of Chalman Keith or something to summon one ones everywhere and then just battle everything to your heart's content and just do a lot of damage and have a lot of fun with it. I mean, that's kind yeah. of obviously very ambitious, right? And it costs a lot of mana to do, but I do think Malomnir is a strong card. Um, there's a lot of legendaries in the set, probably worth the craft. Razum Dar is also a good card. I wouldn't say it's crazy by any means, but if you're going to it's play cool. like a mid-range green strategy, you know it's definitely worth the look at, including and might be worth testing if you have the gems to throw around. Um, I will say this: I do absolutely recommend um, crafting cards for consume or wax and wane. Um, Choose one that looks interesting to you and try it out. You're not going to be disappointed. I feel like these mechanics are are very competitive, I guess. Um, not, not in a way that you're going to go in and win a tournament, but you can go on ladder and go on nice win streaks with these decks, and you can have a lot of fun doing it, for sure. Mm. Um you know, you can play, and and the idea that you can play these mechanics in basically any class you want is awesome. You know, you could, you know, if you have a class you like playing more, say you, you like playing mage a lot, like you could play Wax and Wayne and Mage. Mm. And you could 
and, and you can build a successful mage deck with Wax and Wayne. If you like Sorcerer, you can build a Consume Sorcerer that's pretty awesome. Even in three color, you can build like you can build a Covenant, or you can build you know like a Dominion Consume deck that does very well on the ladder. Um, sure. And they're a lot of fun, and they explore the new mechanics that we haven't seen before. So I would I would say that if you want to try one of the new mechanics, then go for it. Because I don't think any of those mechanics are bad. Um, no. And there's a lot of flexibility within each of those mechanics to do something really fun and unique. So I would say... Um, without a doubt, if you ha- are on the fence about creating one of those for whatever, or or, or crafting cards for one of those archetypes, um, I would say to go for it. Honestly, um, I mean, and even with how free to play friendly this game is, um, if you want want to build consume or something down the road, I mean that's 3600 soul gems craft like ill-fated scholars or whatever like that's not that tall of a task and you know you you can still you still have the opportunity to you know like a week down the road probably if you grind out the game like you know even a a somewhat decent amount get the the cards for the other classes so I would say definitely wax and wane and consume are worth trying for sure Sure. Um, and so, you will have success on the ladder with them. So my suggestion is that if you're if you're in a situation where um, maybe you're on a budget and you don't have a lot of gems left around, and you're kind of like, I really want to wait for everything to shake out so I know what's going to be good, right? If you're if you have the soul gems to spare, I completely agree. Jump in on either consumer wax and wane. Try one of those out. I went with the consumer route, not the wax and wane route. But, uh, you know, hey, that, that, that was that was me. Yes. I didn't I went consume. I thought that was a cooler mechanic. But if you're yeah. looking for strictly safe, like this card is going to be safe. Elfie Conjurer is your safest one. It's in the legendary slot um, oh, yeah. with without a doubt. I think that if you are looking for like, let's say you look at it like a common card and you're looking just like this is probably maybe the best aggressive card that was made in the set. In my opinion, Prowl Smuggler, which is a, a two mana three two that when you pilfer, you get equip a steel dagger to a friendly character. Um, in my opinion, that's the strongest. I think it's one of the strongest aggro cards that's printed in this set. Um, I think it's really good, and I think if you're looking for something that you you want to craft that is is just going to be a powerful card and you're playing aggro because maybe you don't have a ton of cards in your collection yet, you're looking for something strong to play that's aggressive, um, that's a good card to get three of if you didn't open up three um, in your packs for sure. I, w- I would say to go along with that, some other common or rare cards that are definitely worth getting and playing with um, – are going to be like the Midnight Trespasser in blue. It's a yep, very strong, a strong one drop. Um, if you do like the token strategies um, or decks that generally go wider than they go tall, um, Mercenary Captain's another great option to play. Um, and, you know, both of those cards are cards you don't need to play um, with any or, you know, very little of the actual consumable creatures. Um, like the I- imbued creatures or like the 
the other ones, um, the, yeah, the neutral. Both consume. of those cards are very, very strong. But cards. They're strong enough on their own where you can play them in those archetypes and try them out. Um, and, and they should do pretty well. Um, yeah, I agree. And then, you know, on top of the, the other card that I was going to say, I think is going to see a lot of play, although I haven't seen it a lot. I, I agree. Is that queen's captain card. Um, I haven't crafted those, but I do think that you're going to see, I, I would not craft three of them. If you like yellow, if you like control, that's something you want to play around with. Um, I think it's even worth running a Moongate or two in your deck just because this card's in there. I mean, Moongate could get slotted in simply if this was the only I Wax mean, Wayne card in your there deck. There are enough Wax Wayne cards that are just common that are generally decent control cards that you can slot in. I mean, um, just like as a as a common, I mean, you have the Moonface Suthe in green. It's something that... You know, if you wax it, it gets it's a three three with drain, and it's a a two two draw card. It's I mean it's card draw as well. Um, you know, and and something like uh the servant of Jacques Ajay. I mean, it, there were purple decks that were control running young mammoth because. They needed that early game board presence to be able to deal with some of those bigger creatures. If you play that on turn three, it's a four four. And mm-hmm. it also has, you know, a silence effect to go along with it. You know, that's a pretty decent creature as well. Um and you do see um, you know, some other um in general wax wing cards that you could probably slot in that would, you know, be just fine if you're if you're running like the moon gate or something just to try to get the the extra payoff um absolutely yeah. and i um, think the last thing i would point out is that if you're going to if you're like looking and you're like i don't know if i want to craft stuff but i have that 500 extra gold is it worth buying five packs or should i go get a deck um and in my opinion the the zumog foams ambition um out of the two decks is the better one um now i like the consume mechanic this plays with the consume mechanic i think the legendary in it is better um than the the other card the rebellion deck um there if you don't if you like green and white and you like token strategies go with the green and white but if you like the consume mechanic at all and you're liking a little bit more of like a controlly style uh, you get the skeletal mages in that zumog farms deck um you're gonna get a, a haunting spirit if you don't have those yet you're gonna get those imbued bretons which i talked about earlier that and are you really also strong. get you also get shadowfen priest in there as well which is just a a general staple good purple card um yeah and you're going to get your Night Shadow in there, too, which, you know, Night Shadow has throughout time been a very good card. Plus your three imbued Argonians, mm-hmm. I think, and your three Midnight Trespassers that we talked about. This is yeah. not a bad deck. You can pull out a couple of cards and put in a couple of new ones. I think that for 500 gold is a steal if you're looking to buy one of the, the pre-made decks. Absolutely. Um, That's a steal. That's a good one. Um, yeah, generally. Um, and, and Zumog is still one of those cards. Um, and Unfortunately, there's not like an Uncano's Cunning where like the legendary is absolutely to die for. Um, but if you are still building a collection and you don't want to have to open a bunch of packs to get some of these consume cards, I mean, and generally Sorcerer is probably one of the better consume classes to play 
So it gives you some of the consumed cards from that class, and it's probably, um, you know, it's probably worth the 500 gold for sure. Um, some some decks you can't save the exact same for, and uh, I know the Kamira's Rebellion deck. It does come with like the Moon Gates and some of those Wax and Wayne cards, but just as a legendary, I I can't say it's worth the 500 gold. Um, especially since Pilfer is still one of those underwhelming mechanics in this game, um, that the cards don't have enough, um, they, they don't do enough of the turn that they're played to um, have enough impact on most games. Yeah. I mean, um, right now, probably the best card in that deck that you would get for the 500 gold is a Divine Fervor if oh, you yes. don't have Fervors. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, it is the- worth a Divine Fervor. Uh, I mean, it does have a Divine Fervor. At that point, though, it might just be worth buying the four packs because you'd probably get enough, or the five packs, because you'd probably get, get an epic out of that anyway. Uh, yeah, enough or whatever. So um, I do say, out of the two, the Zumog Fooms is probably definitely the uh, the better one to buy. Um, for sure. For sure. Yeah, um, it's, it's a it's a cool deck. I mean, I I crafted Zumog Foom before I saw that, and I still want to buy that deck because it is just it's cool. I wish they kind of gave you a card. It would be cool if those pre-made decks too, like they gave you a card back with them, because then it would it would encourage me to like go spend the money, the gold yeah. on those, just to get the card back because it might be a cool card back. Maybe they'll do yeah. that in the future, but yeah, uh, maybe. I do see them doing some of those kind of theme things more so in the future. Yeah, um, and it's but, exciting. I tell you what, let's wrap this thing up because we've been going for about an hour, 20 minutes, hour and a half. And awesome. uh, I like I like to try to keep these things around an hour. That, does, that doesn't always happen. That's perfectly fine. Um, so let's do this, Bujan. Tell us where um, people could connect with you if they want to connect with you and see what you're playing, see what you're doing. We told you you finished rank three back in March. Mm-hmm. So if people want to get in on what you're doing and what you're playing, how can they get connected with you? I I am on Twitter. I tweet every so often um, at Innovation. Um, and also my Twitch stream um, is also at Bouge Innovation, um, spelled B-U-J-I-N-N-O-V-A-T-I-O-N. It's a mouthful, for sure. Yeah. Huge innovation. I got it. I got it by the Huge end of this. I, I've go. got it by the by the end of this. Okay. Well, I'll definitely have to send you an invite. Um, so if you want to get connected with me or with the podcast, you can email us. I'm off of all social media, so I'm, I'm off the grid when it comes to that. So don't look for me out there. But our, our email is eslegendscast at gmail.com. So you can shoot us over es. Uh, legendscast at gmail.com if you want to shoot me a friend request on the game i mean i just looked i I literally have like three friends on elder scrolls legends because i just haven't connected with people on there my my name on this is the 113th lift that's the 113 lift the 113 lift that's my screen name so you can shoot me an invite and uh, i love to chat with you or play some um, games back and forth try out some decks um the last thing is like literally moments before we started recording this i set up a patreon page i've i've never done that before um and my intent is not really to monetize this but any money that would come in towards this would go back into helping make the environment better um eventually at my house uh, i'm a gamer so we're planning on building uh like a big game room above our garage in the next couple of years um and this would go towards putting some money aside to be able to set up a a a recording room um in that area where we're going to have the gaming room and so if you have any desire to support the podcast you like what we're doing you want to throw some support that way you can i honestly don't even have any clue how patreon works i just set it up but if you go on to patreon.com 
um, and you search for Legends Cast, um, will come up right now. So check that out if you want to. Uh, if not, um, the one thing that you could do for me that would be incredibly helpful is to sh- jump on iTunes um, and go to our, our podcast, Legends Cast, and just leave a review. If you leave me a, a bad review, it will be helpful feedback. And if you leave me a good review, I'll give you a shout out on the podcast. Um, so yeah, go on to, onto iTunes, leave me a review. Let us know what you're thinking about uh, Legends Cast. I've really enjoyed making this over the past week and a half, and I'm really looking forward to continue to make more episodes and have more guests on. I got another guest slated and I'm hoping um, I'm hoping to get a couple more on. Um, hopefully some people from from the, the team that's developing. I'd love to get some people from the team that's developing. Um, Elder Scrolls Legends and also a couple of other popular streamers I've been in conversation with um, and I'm hoping I'm not going to give out their names because I don't want to say it and then them be like hey I don't want to do this anymore but uh, a couple of other streamers I've been talking to about jumping on the podcast and talking about the game so uh, that's going to do it here uh, for us at Legends Cast make sure you jump on there and check out Bujin's stream Um, check him out on Twitter um, see what he's up to. Uh, and, uh, thank you so, so much for joining us, Bujan. I really appreciate it. Thanks for, thanks for yeah, jumping no on the podcast. Yeah, really appreciate it. Okay. Well, hey, that's going to wrap up this episode of legends cast. That's it for us here. Um, make sure you go ahead and give uh, some of our other episodes a listen and tune back in next week for another full episode of legends cast. Thanks for listening to Legend Casts, a podcast about Elder Scrolls Legends. If you're looking for more ways to get connected with us in our community, email us at eslegendcasts at gmail.com and be sure to come back for our next episode.